Hey, my name is Katie Bulmer. I was your typical heartbroken and hungover sorority girl who looked for love in boys, Bacardi, and did I mention boys? After the breakup that broke me, I met the only man who can truly fulfill me. His name is Jesus. Shortly after that, I met my husband, the best example I have met of Jesus on this earth. Today, I have never been more sure I am right where I'm supposed to be on a mission to help today's young women find their life calling, stop dating dirtbags, and basically just be who I needed when I was younger. I've been called a big sis, an adopted mom, or my favorite title, a cool aunt. But however you think of me, get ready to be challenged and encouraged. This is the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Hey, you guys, let's talk about porn. Let's get <laughs> into it. Let's get into Put on your seatbelts. I have with me a friend. I feel like I say this on a lot of podcast episodes, but I found her on TikTok. I loved her. I asked her to be a guest and she said, yes, she is a voice doing really good things, bringing light, clarity, and just information to debunk a lot of the misinformation when it comes to pornography. So welcome to the podcast, Cassidy. Oh my gosh, this is such a blessing. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Okay. You need to share your story because it's powerful. I would love to, if people haven't found you on the worldwide interwebs, a little bit about what you do and how you got there. Okay. So basically my story starts a few years ago. I want to say it was 2019. So I graduated high school in 2019 and TikTok was just becoming a thing. Like all the trends and all the viral videos and everything was coming out then. And I was like, I think I should start making videos. And to be honest, growing up, social media was kind of like taboo in my family. Like my mom was super strict and she was like, you're not having social media until you're 20. And somehow, some way, I like I talked her out of it. I ended up getting on social media and I would make a few videos here and there, but it was never any like Christian content. It was just what was trending and stuff. And what a lot of people don't know about me is I was born with webbed feet. So my first three toes are webbed together. And so I can't wear flip-flops. I can't wear sandals or anything. And much to anyone's surprise, everybody found that very odd on TikTok. And so I made a video about it one day being funny and it blew up. I think that was my first video to reach over a million views. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like what do I do with all these views? Like it's so random. And for the next like year, I just started making random, it had no purpose behind any of the videos that I was making. And it wasn't until the beginning of quarantine that I started opening up about my faith on social media, especially on TikTok. And I ended up making a video saying, you know, I have this ministry I really want to start and I'd love for girls to join. And so they, it blew up just because of the feet picture or the feet video that I had posted. And crazy enough, like God used that small thing that I used to get bullied for, that small detail in, you know, middle school and high school that I used to get bullied for to grow a ministry to benefit his kingdom, which is so crazy. Um, And that's really where I started seeing God, you know, use just me and my testimony and myself for his kingdom. And I just started seeing him more and more. And it wasn't until a couple months ago that I decided like, why don't I just share my whole testimony? And to be honest, like I'm very, I'm a very open person. And so anybody could ask me, you know, like, what is your biggest struggle? And I'd say like, oh, you know, relationships, or I'd say not, you know, following God close enough, but I never was vulnerable enough to say pornography. And that was something I, you know, had been introduced to at the age of nine in fourth grade by a friend. She had used her mom's phone to show me stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, like you can delete search history. And so ever since then, it spiraled into a you know decade-long addiction that nobody knew anything about. And just recently, like I said, a couple months ago, the Lord put on my heart, like, share your testimony. And I was like, I have been. Like, what are you talking about? 
And he was like, are you really though? And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'm not. And so I started like self-reflecting and I was like, what am I keeping out of my testimony? And I knew the answer. I just didn't want to know the answer because oh, once girl, you know it, yes. like you got to You got to deal with it. it sounds and like so, Jonah. Like, oh, no, I, I'm good, God. I'm good. Look at all the good. Yeah. Things. I did that. I was like, I'm going to go serve the homeless. He's like, what? This is my testimony. He's like, uh, I want you to share your testimony with sorority women. Like, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> yeah, literally, I was like, yeah, no, thanks. I'll stick with my, you know, my polished, very perfect looking testimony. And he was just like, who is that going to help? Who is that going to benefit? Like the made up polished testimony that you have that you've been serving all these people on a silver platter, like that's not helping my people that are far from me. And I was like, oh, shoot. And I could just like (laughs) feel it like I needed to open up about it. And, you know, it's scary, like, you know, having coming from high school where everybody knew you as this like perfect Christian and you have all these friends and you're, you know, somewhat popular to now saying like, I'm broken. I'm not perfect. And I watch this super shameful stuff that I've been watching for years, but I'm not weird. I promise. Like trying to promise people that you're not weird because you've been addicted to this thing for so long. And so I started opening up about it. And it was one video I posted in the car. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to post this out there. Some girl out there will get this. Like I'm sure maybe one person will. And all of a sudden, it just kind of blew up. And I had about, I think it was like 90K before from just posting random stuff about my faith. But after I posted that video, I gained over, I think it was 100,000 followers in a week. And it's all like girls and some guys in there mixed in that are struggling with pornography because nobody talks about it enough. Like, and the one person that does speak out about it, it's like, oh my gosh, like everybody's drawn to it because they want help. They want freedom. They want, you know, somebody to talk to. And so my DMs are flooded with messages. And Part of me feels bad because I'm like, there's no way I can respond to all these messages, you know, in my lifetime. But another part of me is like, I'm so glad these people are searching for something. They're open to getting healing. And so that's kind of just been a long, long story short of my journey so far. But okay, I love it. So this video in the car, I saw it, but give us a little (laughs) breakdown about what you said. Okay, so basically in the car, I was just like, I was just kind of opening up a little bit about, you know, my porn addiction. And I had said, like, you know, if you do struggle with porn, like there is a way out. And I went into saying that pornography causes commitment issues and intimacy issues in humans. And I've seen that very evidently in my life. I dated, you know, guy to guy to guy in high school. And I never figured out, like, maybe it's because I'm clicking from video to video to video. And then I'm going from guy to guy to guy. Like, I never put that together. And I shared that in the video and I got, you know, thousands of messages saying like, oh my gosh, like me and my boyfriend, like we feel the same way. He can't commit to me. He cheats on me. And, you know, I've been, another girl was like, I've been introduced at the age of, I think she was like four. And ever since then, yeah, I've had like a a history of being abused. And then I, you know, go from guy to guy to guy. I'm just never satisfied. And it was something I had been wrestling with because I'm now in a relationship that I am fully, you know, satisfied with and waiting for marriage and everything. But I have this feeling every now and then like I'm bored, like I want something else. And I had to come to terms with like, that's what it had done to my mental health. Mm -hmm. Like porn had caused that for so long and bringing awareness that and helping other people that are struggling that realize like it's not doing nothing to you. Like it's not just satisfying you and you're clicking off of it. Like it's harming your mental health. And there's some people that, you know, like you were saying earlier, like the backlash from it and there's some people that are like, no, like I've been with my girlfriend forever and I've been watching it and it's fine. And I'm like, okay, you just like said what I was saying. Like you're you're not satisfied in that relationship. So you're, you know, not committing to her. And so you're watching it online. Like you're testifying to what I just said. And so it's hard, you know, with those, you know, very, you know, diverse opinions and everything. But that's what I kind of said. And it was taken 
you know, for the most part, good. But then on the other part, there was comments where it was like, that's disgusting. You shouldn't be opening up about this. That's not true. Like porn is so good for my mental health. I've been in millions of relationships and I'm like, no way. Okay. Again, yeah. testifying what I just said. So I did a video one time talking about, it, it was an audio of, um, I don't know if you saw it. It's called sex, love and dating. Anyway, it's saying if you watch pornography, you're in school and you're learning like that one body isn't good enough, that your wife's body isn't good enough. In the school, you know, this is what it's teaching you. And I remember somebody commented, even if I was with Ariana Grande, I wouldn't check out of that school. And my first thought was, what in the heck makes you think Ariana Grande would give you the time of day? I don't, these comments are like, I mean, some of them are like a little, like I made a video the other day saying I was deleting all comments because I would hate for my page to be a page where somebody comments something and it triggers it for somebody and then they go and fall short. Like I would hate for my page to be like that. And so I'm very diligent on going through and deleting. And I have to read almost every hate comment or, you know, disgusting comment that comes through. And there's hundreds. And then it gets in your brain. Yes. And then it gets in my brain. And to be honest, I'll like go through the comments and I'm like, okay, I'm not receiving it. I'm not like, I'm not taking it in. And then I'll walk off and I'm like, wow, like I either feel super tempted or like I'll feel like, you know, the enemy's trying to use that like to reel me back in. And I'm like, absolutely not. Like this is, I'm supposed to be, you know, advocating against porn and I'm trying to stand up for these other people. Like these comments and stuff, like if they're tempting me, I know that they're tempting other people. And so there's no place for that on my page. Well, good for you for deleting it. I actually, I have a tool for this. I literally just got off of a podcast recording and I'm not sure which order these are going to air, but I have to tell you because this is like magical. She. Elle Ingalls, she is a she works with high level executives and helps them get out of the stress cycle. And she says if you have a trigger and perhaps it's like a you know you know very rude comment or whatever, and that would normally kind of trigger that stress cycle. She says like you put your arms up or do something ridiculous because it just kind of gets you out of it. And then just to kind of open your heart and slow your breathing, and it, you have ten seconds to kind of beat that stress response. Anyway, that's off topic a little bit, but I just had to try that. Yeah. <laughs> I can need all I need all the stress relief that I can get. So I'm going to have to try that. We all do. Okay. So back to pornography, you're you shared a little bit about your testimony. But basically, you were at school and someone shared with you how you can look at this on your phone and how to delete your search uh, history. Yeah. So she was in the same grade as I was and we were friends and she had brought her mom's phone to school one day. Her mom worked there. So I guess she had borrowed it from her mom and she was like, this is what I found last night from my brother that showed me. And what I'm slowly learning is that a lot of it's familial. Like a lot of the exposure that people are, you know, having at such a young age is from somebody in their family, whether it's extended, like an uncle or, you know, cousins or whatever, or whether it's intimate, whether it's a brother or sister or parent, even in some cases. And so for her case, it was her brother. And she shared it with me and I was like, oh my gosh, that's cool, whatever. And to be honest, for the longest time, I just thought I blamed it on curiosity. I was like, oh my gosh, like I want to know more about it. Like this is, you know, people online that aren't wearing any clothes. Like that's so cool. Like I want to know more about it. And, you know, like I said earlier, coming from a family who was super strict, didn't talk about, I mean, the word porn never came up in my household until two weeks ago when I told my mom what was going on, to be honest. And sex was definitely not on the table talking about it or anything. And I think that's a lot of where the unhealthiness of curiosity came from. As a parent, you know, one day I want to be very open with my kids and be like, this is what it is. This is why it's harmful so that they don't think that, oh, since they're not talking about it, like it must be okay. And so I'm going to go watch it and find out for myself. Like, I just want to be very open and educating with them like I wasn't, you know, as a child. But anyway, so I, for the following weeks after she showed me, I was like looking it up online and I was reading. I mean, I was such like, 
a bright child as you know, in my younger years, I was like looking up on Kindle, like inappropriate books and running them for free and getting trials. And I mean, I was smart. Like I'll give I'll give myself that like I was smart, but um, I wish I would have used it for something better. But (laughs) I was looking up books and I was looking up videos. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, I can go on incognito mode on my laptop. Like that's new. And so for, you know, like I said, a decade, I was on incognito mode almost daily, almost weekly. And, and it just stemmed from there as curiosity. And soon, I guess it was probably like a year or so later, I, I learned that it made me feel something. It wasn't just curiosity. It wasn't just like I was learning what these two people or however many people, you know, in the, in the graphic ones were doing. It was like, oh my gosh, like I feel like something in my body feels really good when I watch this. And it was from there that I struggled with, you know, heavily with masturbation all up until probably, you know, 2018, my junior year of high school. And, you know, there were definitely periods in there where I dated, I don't think I've opened up about this yet, but here we go. I dated guys in high school that there was probably about two or three that encouraged me heavily to watch it because they wanted me to be educated also. So that when the time came for our marriage, which they knew in the moment we weren't getting married. They just wanted me to know what to do if, you know, we ever slipped up. And they were heavily, you know, encouraging me to watch this. So I was like, if they're watching it, I can too. And so I would just follow deeper and deeper. And there are a couple of relationships where I finally open up about watching it with them. And they're like, well, I don't watch that, but you need to. So you'll know what to do one day. And it was always presented to me, you know, on the platter of educating myself and curiosity and knowing what to do. So I won't be unprepared for marriage. And I took that as well. Like, at least I'm learning about it. At least I'll know what to do when I'm married. And, you know, luckily enough in the relationship that I'm in now, we both have struggled with it in the past. We both know what those strong urges feel like. We both know like our triggers and stuff, but we both know like how unhealthy it is. And there's never a moment where we're like, that could be okay. Or maybe we should watch that. Like it's totally off the table for the both of us. And it's so nice to not only have somebody that understands your struggle, but has walked through it. So they know like, when I say, dude, I'm having a really strong urge, he's like, okay, well, let's pray through it. Or I know what to do. Like you need to separate yourself from what you're doing right now and like go out and get yourself busy. And that's been one of the biggest blessings. But yeah, I think I just blamed it on, I'm educating myself and that's what everybody was telling me. And also like, you probably know this obviously, but no women open up about struggling with porn. Like there's no Christian women, especially that get up on a stage and they give this whole you know, sermon based off pornography. It's usually guys that get up and they talk to other guys about it. And so growing up, I I never once heard a woman talk about it. And so I was like, I ain't telling nobody. Like I'll tell somebody I'm close to in a relationship. Other than that, like they're going to think I'm weird and gross and I'm just not going to share it. And so that's just where all the shame and the guilt really set in at an early age for me. Well, I'm so proud of you for opening up. And I'm over here smiling about how creative God is because you started with this quote, shameful thing about your webbed toes, you know, <laughs> and, and God had this all planned from the beginning. Like, I'm going to give this sweet yeah. little girl, <laughs> which that's, fun fact, my best so friend crazy. from um, when I was growing up, my best friend had webbed toes. So that's so funny. <laughs> so awesome. Literally, he's used those toes. Like, I always joke about like, I love my toes so much. People are like, do you have a foot fetish? And I'm like, no, not at all. But if you knew the story behind them, like, yes. yeah. <laughs> And maybe perhaps a little bit of that, you know, helping you get uncomfortable or comfortable with uncomfortable. Now yep. you can speak up about pornography, which you, yes, as you said, so few are doing and so few are doing it well. You know, I've also thought a lot about this about it takes a little bit of a magic formula. You know, there are people that are smart enough to speak up online. There are part, people who have the story. There are people who have know how to work social media, but very few all in one, you know? 
Yeah. And I think that you're, that you're doing that really well. So kudos, yeah. kudos to that. Thank you. <laughs> and I also want to say, and you know this now, I'm sure, but that, that's such a lie that you need to be quote educated by pornography. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there's people listening who have heard that too. But as a quote that I heard that really stuck to me is exclusivity is the fuel for romance, not experience, because it is a thousand times more romantic to be like, you are my definition of beauty. You are my definition of like good in bed. Like we, we figure out each other's bodies, like you and me intimate mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. let me go look at what thousands of other people have done because yeah. that's, that's not romantic. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not intimate. The whole definition of intimacy is, you know, intimate. <laughs> it is two mm-hmm. people one-on-one. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I just wanted, I couldn't let that pass without unpacking that a little bit more. I mean, I think one of the things that I learned I've been learning over the past two years of healing from this addiction is it creates false senses of expectations. Like the amount of, I mean, like the whole entire thing is a lie. Let's just be honest. Let's just crack it open for what it is. It's a lie. It's two actors or however many actors going on there and pretending that they're satisfied by each other, which the studies have shown most of the actors on there don't even, you know, aren't even satisfied by the end of it. They just fake it all. And so I think like if we were really to start, if we want to start educating people, we need to start educating them on the facts and the stats. And what the fact is is that it's a lie. Like you're watching something and you're believing you're going to feel that good. You're going to look that good. Every single time it's going to be like that. And to be honest, it's not. And I think that's what draws people in is like, it's per- it looks so perfect. And then they go and they want to experience it and it doesn't happen like that because they've molded their minds to being like, okay, well, this is what it's going to look like. And we're going to have to do this. And you know, it's going to be, it's going to look, we have to do all these certain things. And I need to learn how to do all those certain things so that he will be satisfied. And to be honest, like, I guess dating Christians or people of, you know, believers, like sex is a gift from God and God will use that however he wants to within your marriage. And so it's not going to be perfect your first time. You know, it is what it is, but God will make it like his own type of perfect. And we don't need to model it after any other, you know, humans that are faking it on the internet. And I also think like, to go off the expectations, I entered so many relationships. And for me, I would watch these things, learn these things, and then it wouldn't satisfy me anymore. So I'd want to do it in real life. And so I go into my relationships, I was dating people and I'd be like, okay, you know, let's make out and then let's go one step further. Cause I was watching these things and I was like, I want to feel this in real life, you know, and they wouldn't do what was in the video. And I was like, but why aren't you? And I get mad and I get frustrated. And I had to come to a sense of like, it's just like, these are just false expectations. And I'm putting, I'm projecting them onto people and they had no idea. Like it wasn't their fault. Like it was what I had been taught to do. And I mean, I I could go on and on, but you know, some of the facts that I've been learning recently that have helped me just disconnect from it is that it's a whole sex trafficking ring. I mean, pornography hundred percent fuels the, the sex trafficking and human trafficking industry. And by watching these videos, we're supporting that. We're saying like, yes, I support, you know, abuse towards women. I support abuse towards, you know, other people during intimate times. And, you know, I support all these things when in reality, like you're supporting people getting traded. You're supporting people that are getting, you know, whatever, like abused or molested or exploited. Like imagine if that was your daughter online, your future daughter or whatever online, and you're sitting there watching it and fueling money for them to buy more people to do that thing to abuse people. Like, that to me was just like utterly disgusting. I was like, that I'm done. Like after I got educated, I was like, I- I'm so done. Like this is, I mean, it's harmful to you, but it's harmful to people around you. Like you're harming the world around you, you know, like love your neighbor. Yeah. But love the people that are on the screen enough to be like, I'm not going to watch that because I know it's hurting you. And I know that it's fueling industries that I'm not for the, like I'm for, you know, anti-trafficking, but I'm sitting here watching it online and, and fueling it, you know? Yes. 
I have so oh my gosh, you just said so many good things right there. My background's in marketing and one of my favorite I'm apparently full of quotes today. But another favorite quote is you change the world with the dollars you spend. And we could also say that with what you watch on the internet, you know, what you like and stuff like that. We could shut down the porn industry within a week if everyone collectively just stopped watching it. If there wasn't anyone fueling it, mm-hmm. then there wasn't a market. And then there's no need to continue it. So you have the power to change this by simply not partaking in it. What a perfect episode to announce here at the beginning of November, I am partnering with the organization Fight the New Drug. Fightthenewdrug.org is dedicated to helping people understand the effects of pornography and helping to end it for good. Through the month of November, they are challenging everyone who can hear or see the social media post to have a porn-free November. There's a lot of people who like, you know, I hear what you're saying and, you know, I'm interested in stopping, but I'm just too far gone. Challenge yourself for the next 30 days to have no porn. Big things start with small beginnings. So no porn for the month of November. I promise you will love the results. If you're still on the fence or not so sure about this whole no porn information, check out Fight the New Drug. It's FTND.org, fightthenewdrug.org. There's tons of information about the statistics, where to get help, where to start the healing, and I hope that you can find yourself a no porn November and rest of your life as well. Did you know I have two digital courses and they are both on college student budgets? Yes, I have a mini course called Make a Dating Plan, helping you navigate what matters to you in a dating relationship, complete with a PDF to help you write down what matters. It's so powerful. And then we also have From Heartbreak to Happily Ever After, a four-part course designed to help you heal from heartbreak and walk into dating with intention. It's basically all my top mentoring advice, but you can digest it and watch it whenever you are ready. Just scroll up wherever you are listening and the link to all the information will be in the show notes. We see this idea of quote, perfect, you know, acrobats or whatever, like you see on TV (laughs) of these um, porn stars and you expect that to be what's reality. But then it's like, what do you really want is perfect? You know, do you want someone to say, I want to study you, you know, I'm committed to you. You are my definition of beauty, all of that, like intimate, like intimacy, like we were talking about, or do you want a sex kitten who's an acrobat? Like, really? Like, is that... Not going to maintain you when you're 50, you know, like, yeah. So it's like, I guess like the core of it is like, is it glorifying God? Like, mm-hmm. and I, I guess that was one of the biggest questions I had asked myself is like these expectations I'm throwing on these relationships and guys that I'm with, like, is the intimacy that I'm craving out of that, is that God glorifying or is it self glorifying? Like, am I wanting it to satisfy myself or am I wanting it to satisfy God? And I think that's where our definition of what does like, what does that perfect intimacy looks like? It looks like when you're coming together and using that gift, you know, in the bounds of marriage, like God created it. And yes, like, you know, when you're married, like all things are on the table to an extent and y'all can have fun, whatever. But because that's the way that God created it, like he wanted that to be a gift for you, you know, on your wedding night. But when it comes to, you know, when you're doing it out of the bounds of marriage and when you're doing it online and posting and all that stuff, like you're basically telling God, like your gift is trash. Like, I don't want it. And there's like intimacy to me doesn't matter. Like I could do it with 5,000 guys, you know? So girls in high school are, you know, for me, they're running rampant. You know, you heard, you know, oh, I had a hookup last night, but I'm fine. Like I've gotten over it. But you're like distorting your view of intimacy. Like you're, this, the whole thing about soul ties, which I'm super passionate about, is the farther that you go with people, the more soul ties you have with these people. And it could be emotional soul ties. It could be physical soul ties. Like I'm just passionate about it because I think for your future husband or your future spouse, I think that you should have all of these things like readily new, you know, and be like, 
I've held all these things and waited for you and it's going to be so special. But also for people that haven't waited, you can like recommit yourself and re remake the promise to God, if you will, to be like, I'm going to wait for marriage. And you can redo that. But the people that are just like going from guy to guy to guy or girl to girl, girl, whatever the scenario is, like how toxic is that to your mental health when you're saying like, I can't settle down and have one person. So I'm going to have all of them. Like, I don't know. That's just, to me, that just blows my mind. Like, I could not, like, I'd have so much anxiety at the end of that. Like, I mean, they've seen me naked and these people have seen me naked and, oh my gosh, well, I have to worry about running into them. Like, that would just cause so much, like, anxiety and social anxiety for me. I don't, I don't think I could do it. I'd be like, nah, I'm done. Like, I, I can't. I know. I, I've said this on more than one episode, but I think, you know, it boils down to, I believe that marriage is designed to give us a little bit, a glimpse of on earth, how much Jesus loves us here. And so he gives us the idea of like unconditional love of even when we're difficult, I'm going to love you, you know, through thick and thin, you know, uh, for better or worse. And then he gives us his gift of sex and he gave sex to a lot of animals for procreation. But he said, I'm going to make humans in my own image and I'm going to give them sex for pleasure. And it's, it's this bonding. It's this chemical hormonal bonding experience. And when we look at it that way, and then we look at these images, like you said, that are done for faking faking it on the internet for our entertainment, like it just sounds very, very twisted. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, the whole self-satisfying thing, like to me, if you're in it to please yourself, I think that's where it goes, you know, array. You know, when I hear of girls saying like, yeah, well, me and my boyfriend did it the other night and we fell short again, but like, it just wasn't good. I'm like, then you're not doing it. Like, you're just not doing it for the right reasons. And I think out of the bounds of marriage, that's why it is the wrong reason to do it out of the bounds of marriage because you're doing it in the moment to feel good. You're not doing it to celebrate that God brought you together and mm-hmm. made you one on your wedding day and to celebrate the gift that he gave you at the end of the night, you know? But yeah, I, it's hard to draw that line, especially for Christians and non-Christians. Yeah, I mean, I think it's becomes, it's not like, you know, I, is it a selfish satisfaction that you're wanting? Or is it I want to honor and respect this other human being? You know, like I think if those motives will help kind of let you know where where your heart is. But obviously, you walk through all of this. And now you're talking on the internet about how you became free of porn. So how did that happen? So like I said, a few months ago, I was just like, you know, let's just open up a little bit more about my testimony because the Lord, I put it on my heart. And so as I started doing that, I made one video and it blew up and I was like, okay, well, I guess I got to follow through and make more because I started. So I got to say committed. And that was also hard because not only is sharing your testimony, you know, it, for a lot of people, it's difficult because it reopens a lot of things that you walk through in the past. But for me, it was like, it was kind of overwhelming, like all at once. Cause I was like, I have to do this every, like I have to, there's so much I have to do. Like I have to write out my testimony. I have to you know, say all this stuff and I have to write it down and make sure I get it correct. And there's so many different parts of my testimony that I've given out. You know, I've said, you know, one side of it, I said another, but now it's like, I've got to say the whole thing and I've got to make sure that I get it all right. And it was very overwhelming for me, but it was at the end of the day, I just had to come to terms with like, this is the story that God gave me and I've got to share it. And I started just slowly making more and more videos about it. And I kept seeing the same question of like, how do I overcome it? What do I do? Who do I talk to? Like my parents don't know. My sister doesn't know. My friends don't know. My boyfriend, girlfriend doesn't know. What do I do? And so that's where I come up with the idea of creating a subsection, if you will, a subchapter of AO and allowing those girls to come there to get freedom and just to talk to somebody about it. I don't think you told us what AO is yet. So I'm popping. (laughs) So AO is a a ministry. It was formerly known as Alpha Omega, but we just renamed and rebranded this past year. 
to All One Ministries. And it's a ministry I started in 2019 with some friends. And it started off as 13 girls. And due to my web toes, I blew up that video about starting a ministry and over 3,000 girls have now entered. And it went from 13 to 3,000 just by sharing an insecurity that I had that God gave me. And I mean, the toes just keep coming up and up in my story, which is so funny. Um, But yeah, I started that ministry with some of my friends from high school and trickled down to just one main friend from high school now that's on leadership. And we have a team that we lead it with, and there's over 3,000 girls, and it's it's awesome. It's just a ministry of girls that are wanting to learn more about Christ and just deepen their faith. And we do Bible studies and Zoom calls and everything, but it's virtual. And so nobody has to leave their house to come to a, a small group call. Nobody has to go anywhere or dress nice or whatever. You can just hop on a call whenever. And I kind of started that virtual sense with the intention of I've struggled with severe panic and anxiety disorder for about three years now which I've come to terms with the fact that it started because of pornography. So gummy. But I've struggled with that for so long that there was a period that I didn't go to church. I didn't go to a small group. I couldn't leave the house. Like I think it was a month. I stayed at my house the entire month. I couldn't leave and I couldn't get up and go anywhere. I was just, I was petrified. And for that season, I was like, I wish I had a group of girls that I could stay home with. Like I wish my mental illness didn't create such a distance between me and God. And so I created it to be mostly virtual so that girls with mental illness, girls that were busy, girls that had, you know, school or homework or whatever it was or jobs, whatever, you know, phase or stage of life that they were in, they could stay home and still get the community that a church gave them without taking the role of church, just still giving them community at their fingertips. And so that's kind of where AO started and where we've come now is a whole rebranding and our name is all one, but our, you know, slogan, if you will, is inviting all girls to sit at one table. And so no matter your denomination, no matter, you know, what your story is, you know, I'm overcoming, you know, pornography addiction girl that suffered with a lot of things in her past. And, you know, the girl next to me suffers with PTSD and relationship trauma. And the next girl, you know, I mean, the stories go on and on, but none of them look similar, but we're all sitting at the same table. And so that in and of itself, I really wanted to integrate to all these girls like you do have a place. There's AO and, you know, you might not be Christian, but you might be searching. And so if you're searching for something, there is a place for you here. And so we made the safe haven chat, which is we do most of our communications on what's called Band. It's an app where you can have thousands of people in one group and you can talk amongst each other. And so we created one called Safe Haven. And so there's about probably 50 or 60 girls in there right now, probably 55-ish girls in there right now that have opened up. I mean, the stories keep coming in every day. There's one girl this morning I read that she was introduced at the age of six by an uncle. and From then on, the uncle continued to abuse her and make her watch it. And it went on for years. And she's finally seeking to get help. And she's 15, 16 now. And I mean, it's heart-wrenching to wake up and see those stories. But it's also hopeful because I know that there's a way out. I know that there's freedom for her. And it's definitely a lot. It's overwhelming sometimes because it's like you've got so many people to to help. You've got so many people to talk to. Like, I want to sit down one-on-one with all these girls like me and you are right now and say like, hey, like. I know what you're going through. I've been through. I want to help you. Like there is hope. Like you, there's no shame. But of course, like you can't do that because of how busy life is and everybody's, you know, um, different time conflicts and stuff. But we just created that recently and it's been awesome so far, just getting to connect with the girls as much as we can. And I mean, up until now, that's kind of what we've been doing for girls that have been struggling with porn. But you also have the side that I get a lot of guys that, you know, DM me or message me and say like, hey, I need help. But there comes a point where like, I am very particular on this because I want to make sure that like I give the best advice I can. And I truly believe that I can only give the best advice to girls. Like 
I don't think that I can give advice to the opposite gender. And so I've said that multiple times. And there's people that get upset and they're like, well, you're preaching about pornography. Like that's for everybody. And it is. But I think that you should seek out somebody of the same gender as you so that they can help you. Because my urges and the stuff that I go through is a little bit gender specific to some other women. But guy urges and guy temptations and triggers are also different. And yeah, that's just kind of some stuff that I've been walking through since I opened up about my testimony. You can point them. You, you probably have other resources as well. But I interviewed a while back on the podcast, a guy named Drew Boa. He has the husband husband material. And he talked about pornography. And he's doing some really good work in the world, talking about his own struggle. And he helps free men from addiction. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. I'll have to look him up. Yeah, he's good. he's got some good information. Okay, so... I know there's someone listening and is like, oh my gosh, I haven't told anyone about this, mm-hmm. but I have definitely struggled with this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you offer some resources in AO and I definitely want to link all of that. But what would you say could be like, number one, the first step that they could do today to help find freedom from porn addiction? Number one, open up to somebody about it. As soon as you open up to somebody about it, they're like, freedom and vulnerability comes from that. There is a freeing sense. I remember the first time I opened up to somebody about it and I was expecting them to shoot me down. I was expecting them to be like, that's so gross or shame me even more or guilt me or whatever. But the girl actually said I struggled with it too. And I was like, excuse me, what? Like I've been friends with you for how long? I didn't know this. Like so much freedom came out of that friendship after we were so vulnerable with each other and accountability is huge. And so And when you open that up and allow yourself to receive accountability from somebody, it is so helpful. But you have to be willing to change and to get free. Like that's one of the, you can search accountability partners all day long. You can search for help. You can join AO. You can do all these things. But if you're not willing and if you're not really ready to receive the freedom that it comes with, you know, stopping it and stuff, then, you know, I don't know how much help you can get because I was in that season of like, yeah, I'm going to stop. But I wasn't willing to stop and I wasn't ready to stop. And so once you get to that like mental place of like, okay, yes, I want to get an account- accountability partner and I want them to help me and I want to be truthful, then that's where freedom comes from. But if you say I'm going to get an accountability partner and I'm not going to stay truthful, like, oh yeah, I didn't fall short today, but in reality you did, then that's not helping anybody. Like that's just, you know, furthering your your process of healing. And so the first thing I would say is definitely get an accountability partner, somebody that you can trust. I preferably, you know, speaking from experience, I would say somebody within your church or somebody that you're very close to friend-wise. Speaking from experience, I wouldn't open up to anybody in your family just yet because that for me was very daunting and very scary. And to be honest, I didn't share with my family what I was going through truly until about a year ago after I was freed from it. And so there's a lot of confusion that your family can feel and their emotions are heightened and they can get angry and they can just be so confused. And a lot of it comes from them feeling like they didn't do a good enough job raising you. And so that's where it's projected onto you and you start feeling shamed and guilt and all those things. And so to avoid that at the moment, I think the first step would be opening up to a friend or a mentor, um, definitely somebody in a church setting, I think, because they could definitely point you to resources they might even have at church. So, yes. So. I just, I feel like I can hear the, <laughs> the, but, but, okay. So you're like, okay, she makes a good point. You know, I probably should open up, but it's not hurting anyone. That's what we say about porn. A lot of times it's not hurting anyone. I'm not, I'm not actually having sex. What would you say about that? I would say the first thing is it is hurting you whether or not you see it right now. Again, speaking from experience, all those years of me sitting down, watching it, you know, um, satisfying myself on it. I was like, it's not, I, I was genuinely saying like, it wasn't hurting me. And I was in the same boat as people right now saying that. But I can tell you it has relationally, it has emotionally. 
mentally even, you know, about three years ago, I was diagnosed with severe anxiety and panic disorder. And it stemmed off of the fact that in a relationship, a guy was trying to take it too far with me. And I was like, I don't understand like why you're trying to take this too far if I've given you what I'm comfortable with. And I had initiated it, to be honest, I had initiated it with this sense of like, well, I've watched all these videos, I know what to do, but I'm not going to take it that far. But at least I'm educated on it. And so I entered into this, you know, intimate part with him and things went way too far, way too fast. And I was trying to get out of it. And it was daunting. And whenever I did get out of it, it, you know, scarred me, it made me traumatized. And for the longest time, anytime I was around a boy, I threw up, like I was instantly sick. And to this day, like with the boy that I'm with now, like I'll still feel like, oh my gosh, like he's going to take advantage of me or we're going to go too far. And I'm very scared of being intimate with guys, especially because of my past and, you know, looking online and seeing this abuse in these videos. I'm like, that's what any guy is capable of. Like any guy can do that to me. And that really tainted my view of intimacy and sex. I mean, for the longest time, I don't even know. I mean, a few years, I think. Anytime sex is brought up, I'm like, I'm never having sex. Like, that's just, I don't, I don't want anything to do with it because I had numbed myself to it. And as Christians, we especially should be looking forward to that. That is a gift that God gives us. And if we numb ourselves to it too soon, it's not special. It's not the way that God intended. You know, you saying that it, you know, it doesn't harm you or whatever. It definitely does. I mean, you can look online. One of the resources I use a lot is Fighting the New Drug. I don't know if you've heard of that. But they have articles and videos and documentaries talking about mental health and what it does. And it's known to shrink your frontal lobe and of your brain. And what it does when it shrinks it is it decreases your response time. So when somebody tells you something that might be um, emotionally triggering or whatever, you won't feel that until like days or weeks or months later. And it does so much damage mental health wise and relationally. Like I was saying, it creates intimacy issues, commitment issues. Where you've gotten used to watching, like if you get bored with one with one person, you just move on to many more. But when you're married, you can't move on to many more. Like you're stuck with one person, and so it makes you scared of being intimate and, and committing to one person. And I mean, there's so many more facts that we can go on. And you're fueling the sex trafficking, so it might not. You think it might not be doing anything to you, but it's harming other people. And so the more that I started educating myself on like why it's bad and looking it up, and you know all of those things, and people, I mean, for the past month, people have been you know, their rebuttal is there's no science. I mean, there's no science behind that. There's no facts behind that. Prove it. But you go on Google Scholar or you go on scholarly articles anywhere and you type in porn in the brain and it comes up, I mean, with thousands of studies and research that shows what it does to your brain. I mean, pornography, like looking at a brain scan side by side with three brains side by side, you have a normal brain on the left, you have a heroin addict brain in the middle, and then you have a pornography brain on the right. The right brain that has, I think it's five years, one to five years of pornography has less brain, less brain gray. Gray matter, yeah. Gray matter. It has less gray matter in the brain on the right of a person that watches pornography than it does of a heroin addict. And that is crazy. Like to say that pornography does more damage to your brain than drugs, than a drug is just, I mean, that's, that's just mind blowing. Like who would want to sign up to have less gray matter in their brain? Like, I, I don't know of anybody that would voluntarily say that, but uh, yeah. I want to be stupider, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Help me um, respond to it. And I think even the response thing to me, now, I always thought it was like my personality, but when people tell me things that, for instance, my aunt, my great aunt passed away, like I think it was five years ago-ish. And when she passed away, my dad told me because we had long distance from her and I immediately started laughing. Like my response and my emotional 
I don't know, realization of what was going on in the time, I just started laughing. And I do that in very serious, like, and I've always credited that to like, oh, I'm so funny, like, I'm so joyful, whatever. But come to find out in these studies, I'm like, oh, crap, like, this is because this is also accredited to pornography and what it's done to me. And it, it slows down your reaction time, but it also like messes with your emotions, like in the way that you perceive things. And I've also found like, not only with death, like serious things, but in very happy moments, sometimes it's hard for me to find joy because for so long, I found it through a screen. And I was looking for, for so long, I was looking for a love that satisfied me like, you know, online did. And I never, you know, found anything that was like that because it was fake and it wasn't perfect. You know, no love is going to be perfect. But, you know, back to the whole, you know, other thing, I, I think I was just searching for so long and I had to come to terms with like, okay, well, not in every stance, like I'm not going to be joyful every time, but when something good does happen, like I can find joy in it. And like, you basically now have to retrain yourself on how to find joy. You have to retrain yourself on like, you know, what emotions are like, you can't be numb, but that's what porn does to your brain. Like it makes you numb and it makes you cut off to people, relationships, guys, girls, whatever, like it's just a whole, like you have to retrain and like re-educate your brain on how to work. And it's tough. Like you're just retraining your brain on how to work. Like that's a full-time job I would never want for another person. Yes. Well, I love that you offer so much just grace around this conversation too. And that you offer healing with your AO. And so I encourage girls, you know, like you said, tell a trusted friend opening up is such a huge, you know, I think that in the darkness, that's where like mold and stink grows. But when you bring that out into the light, it takes the feet off of it, so to speak. It yeah. just it becomes less powerful. So that's so great. And then after they tell someone, tell them how they can get involved with the ministries that you offer. So with AO, we are primarily on Instagram, but you can also go to our website, which is ao.weebly.com. And I, I can give you the link later where you can link it. But that is our ministry website. And from there, you can click, there's a you know menu of options at the top. You can click, you know, get to know us, like get to know the owners and our team more, get to know our story and the background behind AO. But if you wanted to join in, we also have a program called Soul Sisters, which is basically a lot of girls that come together and get paired up in groups. And you have Zoom calls every week and you can use that as your accountability time if you wanted to. And if you wanted to join that, join us join the band chat, you just click join us and the drop down comes up and you fill out the form and we'll get back to you within 24 hours. And the great thing about AO is it's not application based. Like you don't have to prove anything to us. You don't have to prove, you know, you're a level 24 Christian. You could be a brand new Christian, but we'd love to help you on your walk with Christ and especially getting free from whatever addiction, you know, you have. And like you said, like once you, I find this to be the truth about, you know, dark thoughts and bad thoughts and things that the enemy puts in our head. Like as soon as we like say them out loud, they aren't scary anymore. And, and I feel like that's the same way with addiction. Like at the minute I spoke my testimony on, you know, TikTok or whatever, I was like, this isn't as scary as I thought. And as soon as I opened up to other people and I found that they also struggle with it, or they also, you know, showed some grace, I was like, that wasn't as scary as I thought. And then I'd like I said earlier, like just a few weeks ago, I opened up to my mom about it. And I was like, I don't know if you know this or not. But for over a decade, since I was little, I've been struggling with pornography. And she was like, really, tell me more. And there was no like, there was no judgment in that conversation whatsoever. Like I had, you know, crafted in my mind that there would be for this long, but opening up to people and it just even if you were to just speak it out loud in the room that you're sitting in right now, like declaring it into the light and saying, I have an addiction with pornography. Okay, you stated you have a problem. Now let's find a solution. Now let's find help. 
like the like you said, like the more you keep it in a dark place in your mind, the more it grows and the enemy can use that against you. And you just start to think like, it's just a me problem. Like it's fine. Nobody knows it's a secret. It's not a secret. Like God knows. God sees you. God sees your thoughts. Like he made your brain. He knows the little like pockets that you try to fit, you know, little addictions or little secrets. And like he sees all of that stuff. He made you. He knows you. And I think, you know, for the longest time, I kept it in the back of my brain. And I just think now, like, what if, you know, all those years, what if one of those, you know, days I would have opened up to somebody somewhere along the line and said, you know, I'm struggling in this and I'm afraid to share it with you, but I'm going to like, how much healing would have come from that? And could I have been healed faster and quicker? You know? Yeah. I am so proud of you for opening up and think about all of the girls that you are. I've heard it said you're unlocking prison doors, but you have to go with no clothes on. Because it's like you have to get vulnerable, but you doing it, you're unlocking prison doors for so many other people. And I love this conversation because I know there's people listening who may not have the struggle with pornography, but your story is so powerful. And I just want to remind everyone listening, our stories are our best offering. People think, oh, well, I you know, wasn't drugged out in the gutter and porn addicted. So therefore I don't have a cool testimony. You have a story yeah. and your stories are your best offering, no matter what they are. And thank you for sharing your story because... I'm sure that you just unlocked a lot of prison doors by doing so. Yes. Thank you so much. And I mean, to go off of what you just said, like if you still have a pulse, you still have a purpose and don't ever think that this addiction has any hold on you. It doesn't. It's just something that, you know, you have struggled with and you have, you know, given into and there's always freedom from it. So there's one thing I can leave y'all with is just be free. You have the opportunity to be free. There's a chance for you right here, right now. Like you're listening to this podcast for a reason and you have the chance to be free. So choose freedom. Reach. Well, I usually ask our guest one last question. How old are you? You're really young. 20. You're well. <laughs> I usually ask if you could have coffee with your 20 year old self. Why don't we say if you could have coffee with your still, still in that dark place self? Maybe like okay. 15, 16. So, yeah. yeah, 15. I probably in my prime of pornography would be 15. So I don't drink coffee, but if I had to sit down and have a slushie mm-hmm. with the 15 year old yeah. me, I'd probably say there's hope because. I sat in that for so long, just thinking I'd never be free from it. And now looking back, I'm free. And, you know, the little Cassidy in me always thought like, I'd never be free from this. I'm weird, you know, all those things, but there is freedom and there's hope. And we all know who hope is. And, you know, like I said earlier, there's a chance and it's it's up to you. Like it's up to you to choose freedom because it's sitting, I mean, the jail key is sitting right in front of you. You just have to get up and pick it up. So. Oh, Cassidy, what a pleasure to get to know you better. I can't wait to share this episode with our listeners. You're just such a joy and a light in this world. And thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. I'm over here giving you a virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Truth For Your 20s podcast. Would you help a sister out and take a screenshot right wherever you're listening and share it on your social? Give me a tag at Katie Wilmer Life so I can give you a big thank you. You sharing it, you leaving your reviews on iTunes is the best possible compliment you can give. Hey, let's continue to hang out. We have a private community called Truth For Your 20s over on Facebook. So just go to groups, search Truth For Your 20s and come join the party.